Just like the variety of plants and life on our native grasslands, South Dakota is filled with diverse partners playing a role in supporting those grasslands. Each episode, Partners on the Prairie will introduce you to those impacting South Dakota's grasslands. I'm your host, Laura Kaler, Director of the South Dakota Grasslands Initiative, a collaborative network of diverse partners who support grasslands as a means of retaining prairie ecosystems, both native and restored, while sustaining rural economies and healthy communities. Nationwide, Ducks Unlimited is a nonprofit known for conserving wetlands and other habitat needs for waterfowl. In the Great Plains region, their work is focused on land that is vital for the nesting and migration of many species, including conserving 3.2 million acres in the region. Bruce Toy, who manages the conservation programs in South Dakota, is here to share about the on-the-ground work that Ducks Unlimited offers in South Dakota. Hi, Bruce. Thanks for joining me today. Good afternoon, Laura. Thanks for having me. Can you start off with sharing an overview of what Ducks Unlimited looks like in South Dakota? Yeah, you bet. Uh, so, so Ducks Unlimited is a, a nonprofit wetlands conservation organization. Uh, started back in in 1937, back in the dirty 30s, when a you know a group of waterfowlers got together and, and wanted to, to do something and make a change uh, to help uh, sustain waterfowl populations that that they that they know and love. Uh, so starting back you know 85 years ago, they uh, started working mostly in in uh, the Canadian prairies, uh, working on uh, large water projects uh, up in that neck of the woods. Uh, but then started working in the Dakotas about 1985, which is when DU started having a, a, presence, a presence in South Dakota here. Again, kind of working a lot with uh, uh, working with our public land partners on, on large dam projects and getting more water on the landscape. Um, the prairie pothole region, uh, which includes South Dakota, is our, is our number one priority area. Uh, the science has told us that at this area, which is you know, roughly the size of Texas, if you can imagine that from from northwestern uh, Iowa up into uh, up into Alberta, uh, this this region of our continent uh, creates uh, over about two thirds of all the nation's waterfowl. So it's really uh, uh, important from a from a continental perspective to our populations. And South Dakota ha- has a big part of that. Uh, so what we do now um, is really kind of focus on uh, conserving those those small prairie pothole wetlands that you typically see in eastern South Dakota that are really uh, uh, so important uh, to, to waterfall production. Uh, if you think back well, 13,000 years ago when uh, th- this area had a you know, large glaciation event, uh, those activities just, just created a, a very unique landscape, really from a, a worldwide perspective that had abundant grasslands and, and millions of these, of these small shallow wetlands that created just the, the perfect place uh, uh, for, for uh, waterfowl and, and really you know, allows us to see those amazing waterfowl populations that we've that we've uh, grown to appreciate. Mm-hmm. So what we here now is work with a lot of uh, a lot of partners and really just try to uh, be creative and find ways to, to keep those wetlands uh, healthy uh, and, and on the landscape. You know, we all know as uh, a lot of the, our natural resources are are generally in, in decline. You know, we lose grasslands, we lose wetlands every day. Uh, we really have to be creative to find ways to keep those on the landscape. So we work with private landowners, we work with our conservation partners, we work in policy. Uh, we keep a lot of our ears to the ground to find ways to keep wetlands healthy and on in South Dakota. You spoke a lot about wetlands. What's the relationship of grasslands and why are grasslands important to waterfowl species? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, we, we think of uh, you know, when, when waterfowl come back in the spring after our snow melts, uh, you know, those those small prairie potholes fill up with runoff and, and, and they establish uh, the, the waterfowl establish breeding territories, right? 
Um, and, and that's how they kind of set up uh, um, you know, the excellent waterfall production we have in South Dakota. Uh, but most of the ducks that we have here are, are top five uh, species here, which includes uh, mallards, uh, northern pintails, blue-winged teal, uh, northern shovelers, and gadwalls. Uh, those are those are all upland nesting ducks. Uh, so although they you know they establish territories on wetlands and feed on those wetland vertebrates, uh, they actually build their nests uh, in in adjacent uh, perennial vegetation. You know sometimes up to up to a mile away from from, from any water source. So uh, it's it's absolutely important to have you know grasslands uh, in addition to those wetlands uh, in in South Dakota, so they have the uh, you know excellent breeding habitat that, that they're used to. Now, also you know just indirectly speaking, you know wetlands in general. Are, are, are healthier and, and, and more sustainable within grassland systems. Uh, so if you have a, you know, a pasture scenario with, uh, you know, acres of, of grassland and, and multiple wetlands within it, those wetlands are generally just in better condition and more likely to, to be uh, on the landscape than they are in a, in a cropland or a more urban environment. So if we can keep uh, healthy and productive grasslands on the landscape, we're more, more likely to keep those embedded healthy uh, wetlands as well. It is, of course, one of those things that's a system and everything works well together. When you're thinking of the ideal grassland habitat for those nesting ducks, what does that look like? Does it matter what types of grasses and what that pasture looks like? Yeah, you know, really, uh, you know, from a strictly from a, a waterfall perspective, they aren't they aren't too picky. Uh, so, you know, some some species prefer shorter grass species, some prefer more more dense nesting cover. But really, uh, if you have perennial vegetation around wetlands. They, they will take advantage. Uh, but if you think, you know, you know, long-term goals, uh, in my opinion, just, uh, you know, diverse native habitats are, are more likely to be intact in the long-term. They're more likely to, you know, make, make money for ranchers. So we're always encouraging uh, more diverse native grassland mixes, just, just from a sustainability perspective. Yeah. So if a farmer or a landowner wants to work with Ducks Unlimited, on improving their habitat. What are some programs or opportunities that Ducks Unlimited offers? Yes, we have a, a, you know, a great team uh, in South Dakota. We have uh, three biologists and, and two agronomists, uh, you know, beside myself, that are available to, to meet with farmers, ranchers, and landowners and provide any kind of technical assistance. You know, we get a lot of questions about, well, I just, I just want to improve my habitat or I want to make, uh, have more, make, make better wetlands. We can sure, you know, provide guidance uh, for those programs, but uh, we also offer, you know, a variety of, of financial assistance programs to help uh, uh, encourage uh, conservation practices and soil health practices. Uh, a lot of those focus on on rotational grazing, so providing assistance for things like uh, cross fence and, and water development to Im help implement rotational grazing systems. Uh, again, if if we have you know more productive and diverse uh, grazing systems on our grasslands, really, I just think they're they're more likely to they're to be sustained on the landscape than than a than an unprofitable system. So it's in, it's in our best interest to help help those ranchers that want to you know improve uh, improve their profitability uh, from that perspective. Also have systems for things you know like like grass plantings and uh, wetland restorations uh, and implementing soil health practices on cropland as well, including uh, you know cover crop use and and diverse cropping rotations and those sorts of things. Is there a certain geographic location or uh, landscape type that Ducks Unlimited tends to partner with landowners for? Yeah, you know, I mentioned before, you know, the prairie pothole landscape, which is, which is pretty much, you know, the, the east, east half of South Dakota. That's a, 
you know, we, we, we have a, an obligation with our, um, you know, with our, with our uh, fundraising and, and, and volunteers to really prioritize where we spend our dollars. And we know that we get from a waterfall, waterfall perspective, the best bang for our buck in the, in that Prairie Podmore region. So we're, we're always looking for projects that are going to benefit, you know, wetland conservation and, and most of East River, South Dakota will, will do that. Um, we do work occasionally in West River, South Dakota as well, but, um, but the bulk of what we do is, is the Eastern half of the state. If a landowner wants to get involved with your programs, what are some things that they should take into consideration? Yeah, um, you know, generally we we want our programs to be pretty uh, flexible uh, and efficient. So, um, you know, the bottom line are and most of our our, our our agreements that we have with landowners. Uh, you know, the primary commitment is a is a ten year commitment to keep your grasslands intact and and your wetlands intact. So there's just an agreement from the landowner to uh, to not uh, till up those existing grasslands or or put in drain tile or or those sorts of things. So it's it's pretty hands off uh, and, and pretty uh, pretty flexible from that standpoint. Uh, we don't generally get into uh, you know the complexities of a of, of a you know a detailed prescribed grazing plan. Uh, we you know we put in some sideboards that help encourage uh, a rotational grazing, but but uh, you know we don't want to be out there counting cattle and really getting too bound up on turn in and turn out dates and those sorts of things. Um, so our, our, our management plans are generally pretty flexible, um, but certainly um, in addition to that, you know, we're encouraging our, our cooperators to, you know, use the existing mentorship programs that our partners like the Grassland Coalition and the Soil Health Coalition have and, and say, you know, let's, um, these, these folks have done it already and they're a great, you know, a great asset uh, to South Dakota. So we try to get them to go to workshops and field days and, and those sorts of things. Absolutely. Oh. And through that, once you have the infrastructure in place for them, it's easy to implement the stuff that they're learning at. From those right. Yeah. Centers. Yeah. Hopefully part of the process. Right. Um, and and we, you know, one of the things that we get asked a lot about our, our agreements is, you know, questions on public access and those sorts of things. And, and we don't have uh, any any public access terms in our agreements. Uh, certainly encourage that, you know, if uh, if folks are you know thinking about allowing uh, hunting access on their lands, that's that's a wonderful thing, but it's not not a restriction in our in our agreements. That's good to know. Thanks. And you have used um, regional conservation partnership programs through NRCS for some of the work that you do. Um, can you share some of the projects that have been done, and if there's any upcoming RCPP projects that you're looking forward to? Yeah, yeah. So uh, RCPP has been been around for a while. It was part of the 2014 Farm Bill, I think, is kind of when it first when it first came out, and we're currently in our in our third uh, RCPP program right now, um, most of those so far have really just kind of focused on the practices that I, that I talked about earlier and finding you know cost share programs for uh, things like cover crops and crop rotation and and, and, and livestock grazing um, and and um, or seeding perennial species back into uh, you know marginal cropland acres too and finding ways to uh, you know just incentivize you know, turning those marginal cropland acres back into, into grass and maybe incorporating that into a, into a rotational grazing system. Um, our, our most recent uh, RCPP uh, scaling soil health in the Prairie Polydor region, that's a three-state proposal that includes uh, North Dakota and, and Montana. Um, we've been delivering that through what's called the alternative funding arrangement. Uh, it's kind of a new uh, terminology in the 2018 Farm Bill that that just provided a lot more flexibility for the partner. Um, and those programs are actually delivered by, by DU and DU staff. And it's a, it's a DU agreement 
uh, versus versus uh, an NRCS agreement. So it's a little different structure um, and allowed us to do some things that were pretty innovative and exciting, I think. Um, one of the things we, we were able to do in our current one is is find an incentive to, to restore those marginal acres back in the grass. So not only can we pay for, uh, say, the grass seeding practice, so like a range planting or a pasture and hay planting practice that you know, is similar to what NRCS would offer through through a program like Equip, um, we can also provide a, a short-term land rental option. Uh, so you know, recognizing that you know these these native prairie mixes that you plant can take you know two to three years at least. Uh, you know, just just from a development standpoint, before the the producer can can pay or graze those acres. So really, if it's a if it's a significant acreage, you know, he, the producer is looking at you know. A significant loss in income. It's really a major disincentive to not restore a lot of grass. But what we found is some, you know, some folks like this option. It, it's a, it's a, it's based on the county average CRP rental rate. So, you know, if a producer in 2023 seeds some acres, you know, that for that year we'll pay them uh, an annual rental payment, and then next year an annual rental payment, and then the year before they can just roll that right into a into a grazing system or or their hay system or or what. What not? It's kind of more like a short-term CRP contract, but incentivizing a working land system. And the goal there is that they're you know longer than a than a ten or fifteen year period of, of grass. So that's a great thought too. With our with our agreements, there's a just a ten year commitment to keeping in grass. So we make sure that you know there's some retention of those grass on acres as well. Mm-hmm. So so with that, you know, finding that was really successful uh, this this past uh, summer. Uh, we applied for another RCPP um, with a lot of our partners in South Dakota, um, and 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 were successful here. Just uh, in November, they announced an award for a $25 million grant, uh, or not a grant, but an award uh, for Ducks Unlimited and our partners to to uh, really lean heavy into that grass establishment option. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. You know, our partners will be, you know, NRCS, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh, South Dakota Game Fish and Parks, uh, Soil Health Coalition, Grassland Coalition, and, and Audubon Great Plains. Uh, really, all of us will be able to, you know, provide uh, some of the, the practices that are out. Be really a unique opportunity, I think, to to restore grass. Our our goal is to restore twenty five thousand acres uh, back to grass over over a five year period, which is pretty ambitious, but but I think we can get it done. Do you have some landowners in mind already, or on a wait list? I, not not quite on a wait list yet, but but what we found is that you know people are certainly uh, they're interested in in that model. I think it, you know, once we get the word out, and we'll it will, there'll be people knocking on doors to help to help move this. And um, like I said, it's it's brand new. We still have our you know our agreements to develop with the NRCS, but I'm hopeful that by uh, late summer 2024 we'll have this pro- program uh, up and running. Mm-hmm. So for that program and other pieces, um, what can the partners be doing to um, point people in your direction or support your other work? Yeah, so um, I pride myself in, in how DU uh, you know, works with partners in South Dakota. It's really, but you know, m- much of our success has been you know, because of the partnerships that we've had with our agencies and conservation partners and, and landowners uh, too. So um, really, uh, it really helps uh, what, what we want to do and helps uh, you know, with our goals in South Dakota. As RCPP comes together, you know, anyone can reach out to Ducks Unlimited or or any of those partners on the list and inquire about getting into the program there. Um, otherwise, you know, you can sure 
Um, and I'm really excited about programs like the South Dakota Grasslands Initiative and, and the folks work that you folks are doing to just, you know, bring new partners to the table and, and finding out how, you know, what are some of those new collaborative opportunities that, that can come out of this. So uh, we're always open to um, opportunities for, for new partnerships. And you said um, you're one member of uh, the team production limited in South Dakota. Where are the biologists and the others that you work with located around the state? Yeah, we've got uh, Randy Meitinger is up in McPherson County, the north central part of the state. Uh, Cassie Ox is out in uh, in Pierce, South Dakota. Uh, Matt Hubers is over in the Webster area. Uh, Brian Chatham is over in Brookings, uh, and Kenna Hammonds is in Sioux Falls. So we're just kind of spread out across the state. Uh, we all just work remotely and are generally available to come out uh, to farmers, farms, and ranches and, and, and meet with landowners as as needed. So if they're looking to get in touch. Um with their local biologist or you, where can they find contact information? Yeah, if you just Google, you know, South Dakota Ducks Unlimited Conservation, you can find a page on there. It'll have all of our contact information on there or anyone can always email me. It's just btoay at ducks.org and I'll certainly uh, help you get pointed in the right direction. Any other thoughts that you have to share about um, the work that Ducks Unlimited is doing in South Dakota that partners should be at least aware about? Yeah, just you know, it, as a as a nonprofit, you know, we have to we have to raise money to to spend money. So we have a really active uh, you know volunteer community in South Dakota as well. Uh, keep your eyes open for banquets in your locals uh, local towns, and if you're interested in supporting the cause, so reach out to those teams. You can always be a you know be a committee team member uh, or or just attend a banquet, uh, support the cause, and and have a great time. Mm-hmm. At those banquets, is a certain percentage of the funds kept for South Dakota? Uh, they're we, they're not specifically designated for for a state, uh, but, but given that we are in the highest priority area, it's uh, you know a lot of those dollars are, are coming back to South Dakota. So that's one of the things we can we can certainly be proud of there. Absolutely, it's yeah. exciting to see that we have the opportunity and that it's happening here in the state. So thanks. Yeah, you bet. You and your team. All right. Thank you, Bruce, for joining us today, and thanks to our listeners for taking the time to learn about one of your partners on South Dakota's prairies. We encourage you to visit our website, sdgrassinitiative.org slash resources to find out more about Ducks Unlimited and find podcasts from other grassland partners.